Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This week on Parts Per Billion, we're once again getting out the crystal ball and taking a look into the future, the very, very near future, 2017 to be exact. Hello and welcome to Parts Per Billion, Bloomberg BNA's bi-weekly environmental policy podcast. I'm your host, David Schultz. If you're a loyal listener to Parts Per Billion, you may remember a while back, our first episode actually, we took a look at what a President Donald Trump would do on environmental issues. Well, now we're going to go back into the future for a series we've started calling In the, in year, the year 2000. 2017. 17. For this series, we'll be looking at how the issues we cover will be affected by the new administration and the new Congress that will take office in January. This week, we focus on the Senate. We're about 10 weeks out from the election, and it's looking like Democrats have a pretty good shot at taking it back. For a recent special report, Bloomberg BNA reporter Dean Scott looked at what a newly Democratic Senate might do on the issue of climate change. Dean says the senators who would take the lead on this area can be divided into roughly two camps, those who want a single, comprehensive bill that gets at the root of the problem, and those who favor a more incremental approach. In that sort of group of incremental Democrats, Democrats that think we can get some low-hanging fruit taken care of first include Chris Murphy of Connecticut. He and Maine Senator Susan Collins. Uh, who's a Republican. Who's a Republican. And really one of the few Republicans that votes for climate bills or even climate resolutions at this point. Had a bill for a couple of years that would deal with some super climate pollutants. When we talk about super climate pollutants, we're not talking about carbon dioxide, right? We're talking about other chemicals that have a greater greenhouse effect than carbon dioxide. Do I have that right? That's right. Um, so carbon dioxide is the most prevalent emission. Um, it's the one that scientists are most concerned about. That said, we have this uh, these other sources, hydrofluorocarbons, along with uh, some other sources such as uh, aircraft emissions, which, while a small percentage, are predicted to increase remarkably, you know, in later this century. And yeah, in your story, you mentioned something called black carbon. I never heard that before. Dude, what exactly is black carbon? And black carbon is, um, interestingly, one of the other super pollutants that Senator Murphy and, and Collins have been looking at. Black carbon is, uh, is a pretty simple em- emission, really. It's a compound that's produced uh, from diesel engines, but also from cook stoves in uh, developing countries. Those are some sort of, they're relatively minor players in terms of getting the attention, but they're significant because getting at just those two issues, black carbon and uh, HFCs, could have a pretty profound uh, impact. So we've got Senator Murphy, Senator Collins on the Republican side. 
Are there any other senators, I guess, on either side of the aisle who favor this kind of approach where, it, you know, instead of sort of tackling the entire problem with one bill, let's just sort of get at these substances that are really acutely contributing to climate change? Well, I think there's at least two other sort of incremental approaches that I've been tracking. Uh, one is more of an energy um, issue that the Senate has been looking at for a while, which is energy efficiency. And just about anything that gets at U.S. energy efficiency or encourages energy efficiency will have a role in uh, reducing carbon dioxide. And I think that issue, along with this idea that we can get at a big part of the climate problem in the U.S. by being a lot more aggressive about clean energy. And that's where some of some of these senators who still favor a comprehensive approach but have, I think, see the reality of the politics ahead. And I'll, I'll name one is Senator Ed Markey, who led, along with Henry Waxman in the House, the cap-and-trade effort. He sees the need, yes, on one hand, for a comprehensive bill. That said, he has an incremental view that the way we get at this uh, mass, the sort of support for broad climate uh, solutions is we build the renewable energy industry, but with an eye toward building that industry to the point where those are the change makers. Those, those industry heads are the people that come to Washington and start demanding more action. And the idea is, you know, he's been around for over three decades. He knows that the reality is when no matter how many Democrats are in the Senate to move a broad climate bill, there are large numbers of industry players that you're going to be mounting that effort against who are going to see that as a threat to fossil fuels, et cetera. If you have, however, a large economic sector in the U.S. that rests on wind, solar, and other renewable energy sources, uh, also battery storage, tech, et cetera, once those sort of uh, build out to a size, then their voices matter much more in policy decisions. So you've got senators like Chris Murphy and Susan Collins who want to go after the super polluters first. And you've got some people like Ed Markey who might like to see a cap-and-trade bill at some point, but maybe not right now. Then there are other Democrats who think anything short of a comprehensive solution is basically just a Band-Aid on an open wound. Well, I think some of the newer members of the Senate, Senator Schatz from Hawaii and uh, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse from Rhode Island, uh, are both carbon tax guys. And uh, they see putting a price on carbon as really the only effective way to deal with this issue because then it simply pushes all the incentives in, in our economy toward efficiency but also toward clean energy. Those are two, two people who I think are, are really going to be um, pushing this as tantamount to a moral issue in terms of, you know, you either lead on that issue and, and drive change or you sit back and, and treat this issue as something that is an incremental issue or is a peripheral issue to the Senate. And I think those two are our voices for putting it front and center. We're going to take a quick break for a moment to tell you about Bloomberg BNA's Daily Environment Report. It's a source for comprehensive coverage of the day's top environmental news, and it features reporting from Dean, myself, and all the other reporters you regularly hear on Parts Per Billion. Start a free trial of Daily Environment Report by visiting bna.com slash daily podcast. That's bna.com slash daily hyphen podcast.
Okay, so we're talking with climate change reporter Dean Scott about 2017, specifically what will Democrats do if they take back the Senate next year? I asked Dean what would happen if Democrats win by a lot in November. They don't just pick up half a dozen Senate seats, they get more than that, and they even take back the House. This would be the wave election scenario some people are starting to talk about. If that happens, would the comprehensive approach of a cap-and-trade bill or even a carbon tax become more realistic? I think not, but that's only because of my experience following this issue in the Senate in 2009 and 10. The sense going into, into 2010 after Democrats had passed such a bill in the House, they had control of both the chambers. So right there is a better um, uh, political situation than they're likely to have this next year with probably just controlling the Senate. The issue that you raise, though, is in a wave election, you would need something like running up sort of victories in states to compensate for what are pretty strong Republican campaigns. And what I mean by that is Senator Toomey, the Republican in Pennsylvania, is running a pretty close uh, race in Pennsylvania. If Hillary Clinton were to only win by three or four points in Pennsylvania, Toomey could probably squeak by. The same thing happens in Florida. What are we looking at in those scenarios is probably somewhere in the order of Democrats probably taking the Senate. They should, but they're probably still looking at on the, in their best day at 52-55 would be an, uh, an amazing victory. And, and it, even at that point, they would still need five Republicans. When we talk about Republicans and climate change, the, there is really one, and in other, other cases, two or three, but usually just one Republican, Susan Collins, that they can count on repeatedly as a vote. So where are the other four or five to get to 60? And that's assuming all the Democrats go your way, which is, which is no sure thing. Senator Joe Manchin will still be around from West Virginia. For as many Republicans as you pick up, you probably have as many Democrats that you would lose. And so the, in the big picture of passing a significant climate bill, you're going to need um, sort of a change in thinking in terms of the Republican Party about, you know, right now they, this issue is still seen as there's a certain core group that doesn't see this as either being caused by human beings or doesn't think that, that, that the actions that we would have to take would just be too costly to the economy. So that's why the, the folks that are talking um, about incremental change, I think they're seen much more as political realists. Bloomberg BNA climate reporter Dean Scott. For more of his reporting, visit our website at bna.com. Parts for Billion was produced by myself with help from Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music tracks for Parts for Billion are A Message and Do It by Jazar. They were used under a Creative Commons attribution share-alike license. More information can be found at betterwithmusic.com. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. 
Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.